All right, guys, after a little bit of a break, welcome back to another episode of Burly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob. And Jacob, you want to go ahead and tell them what we're going to get into? Yeah, so in the NFL, there's a big re-signing for one of our teams, so we're going to talk about that, Um, as well as going into the NHL. The Stanley Cup has just wrapped up, so we're going to go over that. And finally, into the MLB, a big star from one of our teams has just been hurt and is possibly out for six months. So let's let's get right into it. All right. So I think we should start off with the biggest thing at hand in the NFL, which is Terry McLaurin signing a new contract with the commanders. Three years, $71 million. I'm, I'm really glad we got that deal done. Um, it feels like we can put that whole drama behind us and just start focusing on the current season. Um and I think it's a very important season for the coaching staff as well, because if we show don't show any more progression, then maybe the ownership will start to look at replacing or starting to put them on the really hot seat. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's nice to know that they can finally just focus on that without any side distractions. Yeah, and that also keeps Terry McLaurin from holding out, which obviously you didn't want that to happen. Uh, And he is now one of, I believe, four major 2018 draft draft class wide receivers, like major draft class wide receivers that have been re-signed. So A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin both re-signed. D.K. Metcalf and Debo still have yet to get deals done. But – Overall, like you said, Washington getting this deal done with Terry McLaurin was their biggest feat, and now that is a side distraction that is no longer going to be a distraction, and you can focus on the rest of the team and everything else at hand with the potential movement and the whole Dan Snyder situation. So Washington has a lot on their plate, and getting that done, I'm sure, is a load off of the entire organization. Yeah, and I think it's going to be good for the entire team um, because it's still early, but coming out of the little, like, the few workouts they have, the offense is looking good. I'm hearing a lot of good things about Jahan Dotson. He's pretty much what exactly you said in your analysis of him. He doesn't really drop drop. anything, and that's that's really great to see, and hopefully – We'll have McLaurin around, which will open up the field more, and we'll need Logan Thomas to stay healthy. Um, and Carson Wentz, it's his make-or-break make or break year, and hopefully he real, realizes that. This is probably the best wide receiver core that Carson Wentz has played with yeah, by far. Uh, the How he won a Super Bowl in 18 – well, 17, with what he had at receiver it still astonishes me. But – uh. Yeah, this is by far the best receiving core he has. And honestly, I think looking at Curtis Samuel's deal, it looked big. But now looking at your entire wide receiver core, it actually it doesn't feel that terrible. I mean, it's yeah. a total Terry McLaurin's making 24 mil a year. Curtis Samuel's making 10 year, mil a year and Jahan Dotson's on a rookie contract. That's not a terrible receiving core. I mean, there are teams with good way worse out there. Uh, so, I mean, like, look at the Rams. The Rams are going to be in trouble in the future. So, 
uh, yeah, they, they definitely got a little bit of a, of a good deal there. And one thing I do want to say there is Terry McLaurin is making more money than AJ Brown is. Because he deserves to be. I think, well, Terry McLaurin was a second round pick. He was a second round or third round pick. Third, I think. Third round. I'll pull it up real quick just to make sure. But Terry McLaurin got drafted after AJ Brown, to my knowledge. And he's making more. But I think that's also because of AJ Brown's injury history. Yeah. So I think that kind of messed with his contract. But uh yeah, both now both teams have locked up a really good receiver from same draft class. And you're right, it was a third round pick for Terry McLaurin. Now I'm wondering if uh AJ Brown was AJ Brown wasn't a first round pick, was he? I think I think he was a second round draft pick. 51. So second. Second rounder. Because I know DK Metcalf definitely was a second rounder. Yeah. Which is that's like it's so surprising looking back on it now that well that's that's because of the neck, the neck thing he had coming out of college. I I did yeah, I guess I forgot about that. Debo Samuel was also a second round pick. So that second round was stacked with wide receivers. Yeah, and what what's going to happen with him? Because he's going to be wanting a huge deal. Looking at what McLaurin got, he's going to want over twenty mil a year as well. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting, interesting deal there for him. Because I would venture to say that DK Metcalf, actually DK Metcalf does have some issues, just because he doesn't know how to throttle down. If you get him going downfield, there's really no stopping him. But at the same time, he has, he still has stuff to, uh, he still has other things to deal with. Like he had some injuries. Uh, He's, he's not a great route runner. He's a good vertical guy, but he's not a great route runner. Um, So I guess Terry McLaurin would be a better all around receiver so maybe they could get a price cut for dk metcalf a little bit but i'm still thinking he's going to be making in that 20 mil range yeah there so there this is a little bit of a uh, so obviously we, we've been talking about the four major wide receivers coming out of that draft class in aj brown dk metcalf debo samuel and terry mclaurin all making well all should be making 20 plus mil a year aj brown and terry mclaurin all already having their deals done can you name the two wide receivers that came before him. I know you before guys. Those four. They were two, there were two first one round ones. Two first you round draft, receivers. You drafted one of them. No, we didn't. Not in 2019. 2019, we drafted Andre Dillard. I'll give you a hint. This this will be a hint. Okay. So the two receivers that were taken before those four major receivers, the first one was drafted at pick number 25 by the Ravens. And the second one was drafted at pick number two by the Patriots. Pick number two? Or pick pick number 32. I apologize. I thought um, I said um, the team really helps. Hollywood and Brown. Hollywood Brown was picked at number 25 by the Raiders. And I don't even know if the this pick is still in the NFL. I can't. A Patriots wide receiver that was taken. Exactly. That doesn't help either. And if he is in the NFL, I don't think he, he doesn't play. Who is it? 
Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Forgot about that guy. Those were the two wide receivers that were picked before, like those four major ones that are all going to be making 20 million a year. They made a mistake. Yeah, I'm sure they're looking back. I mean, Bill Belichick probably doesn't have an issue. He's just like, ah, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. We still have seven more Super Bowls coming out of me before I retire. But uh, yeah, I'm sure those teams are looking back like, oh, uh, but yeah, that was a good, good season for wide receivers in post first round. Uh, I think Marquise's Marquise Brown's name also was a little bit too much for him because he's related to AJ Brown. So they were like, oh, they AJ Brown or Antonio Brown, excuse me. They were yeah. like, oh, Antonio Brown, like this is his cousin. He's got to be just as good. And he is, but I think that Marquise Brown is, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he has that great of hands because we've consistently seen him drop like In, against the Lions. Passes. Against the Lions, where Justin Tucker hit that 66 yard field goal to win the game, he dropped like four touchdown passes. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to get any better with um, the the Cardinals because in the car in the Cardinals system, he has a little bit less to worry about because he's yeah. not the guy in Arizona. You have DeAndre Hopkins over there. He's going to be out for the first six, six or seven games, games. Six games, but you have a uh, DeAndre Hopkins over there. Once he comes by, Zach Ertz, uh, he's still playing over there. What about Alejandro Kirk? You mean Christian Kirk? Yeah, Christian Kirk. He just signed with the Jaguars. That was Christian Kirk, right? Maybe. I know. Oh, Alejandro Kirk's a catcher for the um, Blue Jays. Yeah, it's Christian Kirk. Watching too much baseball recently. Eh? Yeah. Uh, but Christian Kirk, I believe, is the guy that just signed with the Jaguars. Yeah. So like 74 okay, million. Yeah. He, 74 he million. He left the um the Cardinals. But they they have Andy Isabella over there who's a really fast guy. Uh trying to think of the other guy that they have who's fleeing my mind. They also they also just drafted someone who's real he's a really short guy. He's he was a rookie this past season, but he's another short speedy guy. So he's not gonna be the number one receiver in Arizona. So he has a little bit less to worry about and he's not gonna be the guy, which I think will help relieve some pressure. Uh, Rondell Moore. Yes, Rondell Moore is the one they just drafted. Uh, but going off of that, there were – so one of the big things that we've been talking about, I think this is a good segue being that we're talking about contracts, and one of the biggest things that we've been talking about and Philadelphia fans are going to be looking for is Miles Sanders – and I heard something that kind of made me like it, it intrigued me because of the way they said it. So in order for Miles Sanders to get re-signed this season, he's going to need to have an average year, which sounds weird, but it makes sense when you explain it. So hear me out. So if he plays bad obvi- or gets injured or whatever, obviously they're going to let him walk because he obviously won't do anything for the team and that, but they're not going to want that back. But if he has a breakout season and he scores like eight to 10 touchdowns and has a, a thousand plus yards, then he's going to be getting paid big money going into free agency. 
and the Eagles aren't going to pay that. So if you think about it, he actually needs to have like maybe an 800 yard season with like four or five touchdowns in order to get re-signed with the Eagles, just so that like he's, cause if he does too good, then he'll be too big of a name and people will pay him money because there are teams like you saw with the Jaguars with Christian Kirk, there are teams who will pay big money for people who are still a little bit unproven. And so, and then if he plays bad, they're going to let him walk because he won't be affecting the team, which I thought was just an interesting note. When you explained it, it actually makes, it yeah, makes it, it makes sense when you, there. yeah, when you like, to, when you go through it and understand what's going on, it makes sense because you see names like that get overpaid a ton, but uh, that's, I just thought that was an interesting note to talk about on here about Miles Sanders. Uh, other than that, I think that's all I have for the NFL. Anything else from you? That's all I have. And next week, we're going to start looking – or whenever the next episode is. Yeah, we, we can – yeah. We're going to start looking at um, – we're going to be doing our all-time teams for the Eagles and the Commanders. Washington. Commanders. Collage. Commanders Whatever. slash Redskins slash the hell you Washington want to football team. Uh, but yeah, we'll start that next week. Uh, so with that, let's go over to the NHL and let's talk about the cup. I mean, the playoffs are over, hockey's over. And let me tell you, it's been a whole, they finished on Sunday. So it has been a whole five days and I already want hockey back. Yeah, it, it's it's a little empty. Like, I'm excited because obviously there's big things that are going to be happening where you have free agency and the draft, which in my opinion, the draft for the NHL isn't as exciting because of the fact that they're, they're, they're still kids. Like, they are people younger than you and I who are getting drafted into the NHL. So I don't think the NHL draft is as interesting as the NFL draft, but the draft is them- coming up. Most of them don't even go into the teams. Yeah, first year. Years. Unless you're like the number one pick. Like Jack Hughes, I want to say, went straight up. Alexis Lafreniere went straight up. But the number one pick overall this year will probably not be going straight into the NHL. They, Everyone has been saying this is an average draft and it's not going to be great. Uh, so we're going to have to see how that works out. But the draft is on July 7th, which was – we're recording this on Friday, so it was a week from yesterday that the draft is going to be happening. Uh, and free agency is a week after that. So a lot, of, a lot of things coming up, and we will go through it all as it's happening. So I'm kind of excited. Flyers have the number five pick, and then they don't have another pick until the third round. So they kind of need to get this pick right at number five but we'll talk about that next week when the draft goes on and we'll try to look into it as much as we can to try to get as much information as we can, because obviously, like I said earlier, the NHL draft is different than the NFL draft. It's a lot less experience going into the league. So it's, it's harder to gauge, especially with this, with this draft class. It's (laughs) their kid. I was listening to this one podcast and he was saying how their kids like, most of them aren't even shaving yet when they get drafted. <laughs> like 
ever. They have never put a razor to their face. Okay. Yeah. So with that, let's uh, go back to talking about the cup. So Colorado Avalanche come out as your Stanley Cup champions. Kale McCarr, no surprise, with the Con Smythe. Jacob is so proud of himself because he finally got a guess right. Woo, it, this is the first time for everything. The blind squirrel found a nut. So the overall, it was a really good playoff series. I mean, playoffs as a whole, and the avalanche, they they deserved it. I didn't think they had it in them because of the fact that the Western Conference was just so much less competition than the than the Eastern Conference. But there are two, there are two pieces that I think were the difference makers in the Stanley Cup. Number one, Kale McCarr. <laughs> Just Kale McCarr. Number two is fatigue. I think fatigue set in for the lightning in a big way. And I think that killed them. But uh yeah. I I'll, we'll go into each of those. I'm just gonna pull up the I want to pull up the games and stuff because obviously there was a lot that went down. I think the turning point of the of the series was game four. Did you see that game? I didn't know. They went into overtime. Oh, that game where Kadri Kadri scored, scored the a, overtime winner. It which may have been too many men or may not have been. Which okay, that speaking on that. That is such a – it's a bang-bang play. I mean, Kadri came out of the zone with speed. The refs are obviously looking down there to see, like, make sure everyone's on side down there and trying to make ev- sure everything in the offensive zone is right. So – and the sixth man, he was skating off the ice. Like, it's not like he was making any difference in the play, but at the same time, I see where you're coming from. If you have six players on the ice, you have to make it right, but at the same time – it was a bang bang play. So I see where both sides are coming from. And I'm saying this as a fan of hockey at this point, my team wasn't in it, but had I been a Tampa fan, I probably would have been just as pissed. So I see where they're coming from, but at the same time, you can't really, you can't really talk about it. Uh, there's nothing you can really do about it, but I think game four was a turning point because you could go you could be tied 2-2 or you could go down 3-1 and that is a major difference in a series and with them losing in overtime which in overtime the lightning just looked terrible they were so tired they had no offensive possession didn't push the net at all had no offensive zone time the avalanche were just totally taking over the lightning and that's kind of where I saw the fatigue setting in because up to that point, the Avalanche had played 17 total games in the playoffs because they had a 4-6-4 before series-wise before going into the Cup and then the three before that. And the Lightning had a seven-game series, a four-game series, and another six-game series. No, another seven game series. The Rangers yeah. series went to seven. seven. So 
they and they're significantly older team than the Avalanche, and I think that's also a factor that came in play. And the fact that they've been going on deep playoff runs the past few years, I think it's really catching up with them. And the fact that they've been there so long, you're eventually going to start to figure them out, and it's hard to stay at that pedestal for so long. And the Avalanche are just so fast. Yeah, like they just, I mean, they outplayed them. McKinnon, McCarr, or not McCarr. Uh, yeah, McCarr. McKinnon, McCarr. That just felt wrong because I said Max. Uh, but yeah, I mean they're they're just so fast. Kadri, there, there was nothing the Lightning could really do. And overall, I'd have to I have to say Tampa played them really well. Uh, Tampa put up a great fight, and even though it went six, I would have loved to see it go seven. But in the third period of Game Six. I think the lightning had a total of six shots on net in the third period. I think six might've actually been, it it was a single digit number. It was low. And, uh, they're, they were just having trouble with staying with staying in the game. And I think that killed him in the end. Uh, Oh, I can't just, I can't just pull up their shots from the third period. I wish I could, but overall, great series. Oh, here we go. Shots on goal for period. Four shots on goal from Tampa Bay in the third period. But a couple records yeah, broke. Uh, Kale McCarr, first player in NHL history to win the Hobie Baker, which is the best college best college player. Uh I believe it was college, but he he won the Hobie Baker, the Conn Smythe, a Stanley Cup, and the Norris all in a matter of a year. And he is the first player to do that all under the age of 23. That is that is ridiculous. I mean, I think we're seeing a generational talent here. I think we're seeing the best all-around defenseman we've ever seen since Bobby Orr. I think that's the only player you could really compare him to because other defensemen like Bork weren't as offensive as McCarr is, even though Bork scored a decent amount of points. He was more defensive-minded. But, yeah, I think he's kind of like the Shohei Otani of um, hockey. If you think about it, he can do it on yeah. both sides of the ice of a verbal field. And it should be interesting to see what this team does in the future. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the offseason because they have some um, expiring contracts like Barakovsky, former Cap, who I'm, I'm happy to see him win a cup again. Um, and Kadri, who I, I I mean, a lot of Avalanche fans probably wouldn't would disagree with me on this. I don't think they should bring him back. I really don't. I don't think they will. I think he's going to cost too much. Yeah, he's going to cost way too much, and he's in his 30s, and I just think that's a – I don't think that's a good idea. And I wouldn't want the Caps to do that either. I think that's a very dangerous player to touch, considering that this season may have been a little bit of an outlier because he played in a great system, and they had um, injuries to their top-line center earlier in the year. So I – it's – it should be interesting to see what they do because they're going to need to do a retool. So it should be, I think, should be interesting to see where they go in free agency if they try and 
like go for some older experienced players or what they're going to do? Uh, did you see in the, after they won the cup, Gabriel Landeskog was getting interviewed and they're like, obviously the NHL is a copycat league. What do you think other teams should do to try to follow your lead? And they go, and he said, giraffe to Kale McCarr, which easier said than done. Here's a little bit of a, uh, here's a little bit of an opportunity for you to make fun of the flyers. Like I know you love to do, but Kale McCarr was in the same draft class as Nico Heeshear and Miro Heiskanen and all them. The Flyers had the number two pick in that draft. Kale McCarr got drafted number four. You know who the Flyers picked at number two? Who? Nolan Patrick, who isn't even on the Flyers anymore. I'd say, and so it was Nico Heeshear and then Nolan Patrick and then Miro Heiskanen to the Stars with the third pick and Kale McCarr with the fourth pick to the Avalanche. And so I am sure plenty of Flyers fans and Flyers people in the Flyers organization are kicking themselves right now. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, but I know you would have loved to hear the love to hear that little snippet of information. Uh, yeah. But... You know something that also surprised me? What? Nathan McKinnon didn't seem to be a factor much in the series. He, the only time he really showed up was he scored the the game tying goal and then assisted on the on the game winning goal. I think that just shows how good the Avalanche are. Yeah, that, like that the that. other team was able to pick up for him and like arguably one of their best players wasn't really a factor in the series. That yeah. just shows how amazing they are. And arguably one of their best players. Arguably one of the best players in the NHL. And yeah. they won it like they won it without a really um big name goaltender either. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another thing. Darcy pretty, Kemper. Pretty impressive. Which yeah, I mean Darcy, Darcy Kemper, Kemper in himself put up a great series. He put up a great series and he they he out he outdueled Andre Vasilevsky. Which it just blows my mind. The fact that Andre Vasilevsky got outplayed by Darcy Kemper. That is just, that's insane to me. Uh, and you know, you know what else that was shocking about the, Aval- the avalanche? And first off, I also want to put this up. Uh, congrats to Nick Abe Kubel, former flyer. Um, Who? Nick Abe Kubel. He's the one who dented the cup. Oh, <laughs> wait, which time? Because they did it a second time. The first time he fell oh, on the first. ice. He was the <laughs> one. He was the one to be the quickest in NHL history to dent the cup. The, usually they dent the cup every year. Yeah, they dent it because all of them are like doing like keg stands out of it. Like what yeah. the Cavs are doing, like all of them just they kind of fling it around at some point. Yeah, he but he was the one who was going back for the picture and fell and dented the cup. Which, <laughs> if you think about it, that's that's like, it's funny because you uh, you have this giant like metal cup. It's the hardest trophy to win in sports, and the the cup handlers are all dressed nice in gloves, it and then they hand on. it over. They hand it over to these adrenaline pumped 
20 year olds who play a sport for a living and like are just it that you have to expect something bad to happen yeah and then they use it as a keg like (laughs) for the whole summer the the one thing the other thing is like the other players that pop that like popped out during the series so obviously we talked about darcy kemper not being a big uh a like big name goalie but arturi lekkanen scored the game-winning goal in game six another uh val nachushkin is one that stood out to me like that's not those aren't household names that you hear all the time obviously you had kadri who came who made a huge recovery from that thumb surgery and came back in time to play in the cup uh i'm trying to think you had this was before the before the the cup final but Francois when he came in in Edmonton to shut out that series and so I mean the Avalanche just had players from all over the place coming in to help them to help them win this cup and I think that it's a well-deserved cup as much as I wanted the Lightning to win just because I mean it's would have been the first three-peat since the 80s then as much as I wanted to win, it was a well-deserved cup. And, I mean, the Avalanche are just – they showed how insane their team was. Yeah, I mean, con- congrats to them. And now begins the difficult part for a lot of um, teams, which is free agency and figuring out what what they're going to do next year. Yeah, so uh, there's – we're coming into that – We'll have a little bit of action come free agency, but I mean, all of that will be done in within like two days. So that's, but he, a couple of the big names for free agents. Yeah, Evgeny Malkin, PK Subban, uh, Johnny Gaudreau. I know, oh, Philip Forsberg. I knew he was going up. Andre Palat, he was a big guy during the playoffs. He definitely raised his stock. I mean, he had what like three game winners in under in the like last two minutes of of the games and uh i know he had two against the rangers but like he was playing out of his mind in the playoffs max domi who is a name that i haven't heard in a while burakovsky's a free agent nazem kadri obviously uh ryan strom which i'm not sure that's that big of a name but uh, just those are some of the big names. David Perron, those are some of the big names that are going to be up for new contracts. So it's going to be an interesting free agency. Yeah, and I honestly don't have a single clue as to what the Caps are going to do. I think we're going to either – we may trade one of our goalies, either Samsonov or Vanacek, for, a, for some defense or offensive help. I just think – there's so many things I think we need to do, but I don't think we're going to. I think we need to get a lot younger, but I just have a feeling it's just going to be another like retool where we keep guys like Carlson and we just add a few more players here and there and try just to rerun it with the same iteration. But I think the best thing to do is to blow up a lot of the team, but I just can't see that happening. So I really don't know what they're going to do. I know there's like a lot of, 
writers saying they should try and go for Kadri, which I think is a horrible idea. I do not want to do that. Another old 30-year-old with a huge mm-hmm. contract on you her know, books is an awful idea. You know what I'm excited about? Whenever whoever team signs them and all the fans come out of the woodwork, yeah, now some Kadri, I'm so happy about it. And they don't realize like he'll be making like 10 mil a year at age 30. Like that's yeah. just absurd. I think that is that is such a dangerous player to touch. And I do not think, I don't think teams should go for him. Well, actually, yeah, the Flyers, you should go for him, Tristan. I, I think it'd be a really great idea. I think idea. Nassim Kadri is on the bottom of their list. I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of uh, rumors around a potential Johnny Gaudreau signing. He's from Philadelphia. I really uh, hope that doesn't happen because that's the gold score you need. That's the yeah. that's the guy you need. I really hope that does not happen. That'd be or Philip or Philip Forsberg. I've heard be. rumors for for him to the Caps as well. I really don't. His I dad really played don't. for the Flyers too. So yeah, that what? I think those would be two of the best names. Even, I mean, I don't know. I wonder if I could pull up his stats. But uh, one team who or one guy who might be a pretty pretty decent signing would be uh would be max domi he's he kind of fell off but i mean he's still a decent player and he's he's still relative he's 27 yeah I mean, he's still a relatively young player he only had 39 points this season but he can still he can still uh improve so i think it's i think he's an option a, a few amount of teams are going to look at all right, so 39 points in 72 games. Uh, I don't know if he was with the Hurricanes the entire season. No, he got traded. So he he had 32 points in 53 games with Columbus and then 7 and 19 games with Carolina, which now that I'm looking at it, it kind of scares me away because Carolina is a really good team. So if you can't score in Carolina – I don't know if you're going to be able to score here. So I but maybe it, it also could be the fact that his ice time wasn't as great. And maybe he's playing on the third or fourth line, which I don't think is all that special. I think um, Carolina's strengths are, are in the first two lines, kind of like how the Rangers is. I uh, Let me see if I could pull up his average ice time per game. Cause that, like, like you said, that could make a difference. Obviously who you're playing with, what how much ice time you're getting and what ATOI? What was that? Is that ATOI? Is that the stat? ATOI. Yeah, average time on ice. Eleven fifty nine. Okay, that's. I mean, that's not terrible for. It's not terrible, but it's not anything special. Yeah, I mean, in Columbus, he was averaging thirteen twenty five on the season, but in Arizona, here you go, Arizona. 1622, 1659, 1642. Uh, then he got traded from Arizona to, or then he signed with Montreal in Montreal, 1723, 1706. And then he went to Columbus, 1513. And in those games that he was averaging close to 17 minutes a game, he had 52 points in 81 games, 38 points in 59 games, 45 points in 82, 72 and 82. 44 and 71 and that was their cup season 44 and 71 so now that i'm looking at it 
I feel like his name is a little bit too big for the type of player he is. Uh, so maybe I feel like now that I'm looking at the stats and seeing it a little bit more, obviously I'm sure there's a little bit more to it than just points and time on ice and all that. But I feel like uh, he could potentially, if he goes somewhere right for him, then he can make a difference. Yeah, but if I was the Flyers, I would go all out on Goudreau. Johnny or, Goudreau. Yeah, uh, or, or Forsberg. I think you should be you would be ecstatic with either one of them, and I, you would yeah. hope that that player would help elevate some of the um, younger players that have kind of Honestly, gone stagnant. So, in all honesty, I would rather Philip Forsberg over Johnny Goudreau, and that's Is it just the experience. No, it's more so because they need a they need more of a goal scorer, and Philip Forsberg is more of a goal scorer than Johnny Gaudreau is. Johnny Gaudreau is a like don't get me wrong, he's a great player, but he also is more of a playmaker than Philip or than Philip Forsberg. And so, I mean, you're kind of getting rid of Giroux at where he was a playmaker, and you're bringing in another playmaker. So, I feel like trying to get that pure goal scorer would having him back would help more than trying to bring in another playmaker. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I feel like Philip Forsberg would fit more what you're trying to find, but both are great players, and I wouldn't be angry if they were to sign either of them. So uh, Forsberg, he's a center. Say you sign him, who would you pair him with, and what line do you think? Would he immediately go to the first oh, line? That is a good question. Because uh, yeah, he's a center, and – I don't think you should be moving him to wing, especially at this point. I need to let me let me pull up who the Flyers have so that I can. You would want. I think you'd want to put him with like fast wingers or good passers at least, because I think you you should you'd probably tell him, hey, you should be. We want you to focus on goals a little more than you do like your assists. Yeah. Uh... All right, so personally, if I was the GM, I would move him over to wing because they're trying to get rid of James Van Riemsdyk, but they have down the middle, they have Sean Couturier, who's going to be the first-line center, Kevin Hayes, who will be number two, Scott Lawton, who will be number three most likely, and then maybe you get an older guy to play fourth-line center. But at the same time, you can also put Scott Lawton on a wing. They also have Morgan Frost that they're going to bring up most likely. He can be played in the center or on a wing. On a wing would probably help more with Frost because he's a little bit smaller. So I feel like you could play him on a wing or a center. I think moving him to wing would help more. But I think a second line with – so my first line would be Sean Couturier – Travis Konechny and Cam Atkinson, maybe. Uh, and then imagine my... that, or imagine you add Johnny Goudreau to that first um, line because he is a winger and he did score forty goals last season. And maybe you can tell him that. Okay, focus. Try and focus on more goals. Um, I think that I think Goudreau's the better fit in the terms of you don't really need more center depth and yeah. 
Goudreau was already wing, wing, so you wouldn't have to worry about really like converting him if it even would be a big thing for Philip Forsberg. The second lot, I'd probably put if we did get Forsberg, I would do Kevin Hayes with Forsberg and maybe Joel Farabee. But at the same time, I feel like those those two lines are too focused on goal scoring at that point because Cam Atkinson was the lead goal scorer for the Flyers last season. Travis Konechny, when he's hot, he can be a good goal scorer. And then Joel Farabee, last, not last season, but the season prior, he looked like he was going to be the future of goal scorers for the Flyers. So maybe that's a little bit too much goal scoring, which I never thought I'd hear, but also, that's why I'm not a coach. That's why I'm not a GM, because I'm not sure how, how to really pair these lines. There are also different people that you have for certain points, so I'm not really sure. Like I said, either way, I'd be happy about it, and whoever we get, I mean, if they get either of them in free agency, it'd be a huge difference. But going off that, you also have to account with how he's going to deal with the new head coach that we haven't talked about because there was only talks of him being hired before. And then like after, last we, episode. after yeah, we finished recording, like a few, like an hour later, yeah. An hour later, John Tortorella officially signed with the flyers. So he is hired and he said, this is probably going to be his last stop coaching. So he uh, hopefully has a good season. And this is one that I was super excited that they actually did sign. I wanted him or, uh trots but we got tortorella because i think trots was like yeah no philadelphia that's not gonna work but uh the i'm excited for tortorella he holds the players responsible he's gonna make every player play a more 200 foot game take a little bit more stress off the rest of the defense uh he's one of those guys that will let the players play but at the same time will let them know when they mess up so i'm excited to see him come uh, and I'm hoping he can make a quick difference, and I feel like he can. I, I was asked how I think the Flyers will do with Tortorella. or No, actually, the question was, how quickly do you think the Flyers could bounce back now that they have Tortorella? And with Torts, I say theoretically, they could be – ideally, they could be back in the playoffs next season. I could see it. Like, I don't think that's too far off. I think saying that the Eagles making the playoffs this past season is farther out than the Flyers making the playoffs this upcoming season, if that makes sense. You could sneak a, you could sneak a wild card. I could certainly see that. Uh, but realistically, I think they could be back in the mix where they were prior to COVID in two years. Uh, I'd, so, I'd say three. I, I, when they asked, I said two or three. But just for the purpose here, solid number two, saying two years. Yeah, uh, so, but I'm really excited for the Tortorella signing. Uh, there are a couple other quick notes that I was going to put down. In Torts' interview, they asked him like about his coaches and everything, which obviously he still needs to hire some assistant coaches. I heard some talks about – Oh, I can't think of his name at the moment. I'm going to pull it up real quick. But the Florida Panthers, 
interim head coach that he might not be a fit to be a head coach in Florida yet or just a head coach yet because he doesn't have the experience. But he's familiar with Tortorella. They've worked together. And if he were to bring him in and kind of groom him to be a – Andrew Burnett was the coach. So – because the Panthers already – got a head coach. They got Paul Maurice. So Andrew Burnett will is going to be free to go if he wants to go. So if you bring him over to Philly, you can kind of groom him. Torts could groom him to be the new head coach when Torts leaves because he's 64. So he's getting up there in age. He's probably thinking about retiring. He was probably looking at it this past season, but he just said he wasn't ready to retire yet. So you groom him to be a head coach because he did great with the Panthers this last season. Uh, but when they were talking, something that he said is that he has no experience with goalies and he's not going to mess with it. So Kim Dillabaugh, which uh, was the goalies coach, he's been working with Carter Hart. He's staying in Philly, which I know for you and for like other people outside of Philly, that might not matter because of the fact that it's like just a goalie coach, whatever, but the goalie coach makes that much more of a difference. If you're familiar with your coach and you're friends with your coach and you like your coach, that can make all the difference. So Kim Dillaball is staying in Philly, which I'm happy for. And Felix Sandstrom also re-signed another guy that has been playing in between the AHL and the NHL, uh, but they re-signed him to a two-year deal. The first year is a two-way contract, so he could go down to the AHL and come back up and do all that and uh i think if sandstrom plays well this upcoming season the season after that he could be doing a 1a 1b situation with carter hart which i think could be really helpful for the team because carter hart has been had some injuries his career so and felix sandstrom when he's come up to play he's played well so i'm excited to see him resigned and that's i mean those are really all the all the notes that I have on the things that have happened with the Flyers the past couple of weeks, nothing else really pops out. Yeah. One thing I'd say about Tortorella, has there ever been a more perfect coaching city combination in recent memory? I right mean, there. Right that there. Guy, if the you were to, like, if, if you were to just look at highlights of that guy without seeing whatever team he's coaching for or whatever the circumstances is, you would say that's a quintessential Flyers coach. Yeah, because he's, he's got that, that grit to him. That's for sure. He fits this. He fits that city like a glove. And I think he'll be able to easily deal with the rather tough Philadelphia media because we've seen him throw it back as much as it's been thrown oh, his way. Tell me, tell me that these are not going to be some of the greatest sound bites to ever exist. John Tortorella talking to Philadelphia media. That, that's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Yeah. That, and I think it's, I think a lot of the young players are really going to get a like stern wake up. I think you're, I think he's going to, if, if this all goes great, I think the best case scenario is that, he weeds out the guys who aren't fully committed to this and don't think are really up to it. And yeah, 
Yeah, I'd say like maybe grooming um, a prodigy under him, like getting to a certain point and then handing the ship off to him. So I think this, as much as I hate to say this, I think this could go very, like this could be a very good move for you in hindsight. Um, I'd say the best case scenario for this season is to sneak like a wild card spot. I think, and I don't think that's too unreasonable. I think that's very reachable for you guys. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's it for hockey on my end, at least. That's that's all I got for hockey, at least. All right. So. Real quick, before we go over to the MLB, uh, I do want to give a shout out to our buddies on Bomb Burger Food Truck, two guys we went to school with, hardworking kids. Uh, they opened their own food truck and it's great food. They just brought out a new item fitting to this podcast being a Philly cheese steak. Philly cheese steak. Uh, so they just released that and they have great food over there. Great burgers. I got the Bomb Burger. Really good. Highly recommended. They go to Brossman's farm market in luckets every weekend they're there all day so definitely go out and check them out uh but with that we're going to go over to the mlb and just go over some of the things that have happened and i think the biggest thing that i want to that i at least want to talk about right off the bat is the juan soto decline of two contracts from the nationals there was the one earlier, which was around 300 and then it came out recently. He just turned down a $425 million deal. So, okay, do you think this is just a money grab, or is he trying to go to free agency? I think it's a money grab. I think he wants half a billion. Um, which is still absurd that's ridiculous if you were just basing it off basing it off of this season that'd be absolutely ridiculous because he's been having a tough stretch he's starting to heat up a little bit as a recent but he's still having a pretty bad season i i don't know what's gonna happen because he said earlier he doesn't want to like have any distractions he just wants to focus on the baseball but then he does this and i think he's I think his team is drawing it out and look, he's, you obviously want to like secure your features. So I'm, I'm kind of torn. Um, I think that once the trade deadline comes, I think you're going to see the nationals clear house again. And will that include Juan Soto? I don't know because I don't like that would be a huge deal. Like we would want a lot, like a, yeah, an entire farm system. system and more. So I don't know, like, I I can't see that getting done at the trade deadline. If anything, that would be an off-season off trade. Thing. Yeah, So, but I do think we're going to get rid of Bell as much as I hate to say it and some other guys. So does Juan Soto want to be a part of that is the big question, and I I don't know. When is his uh when is his contract up? His current contract like two or three years. Oh, so okay. So you guys got time to figure it out. Two, I mean, I the, obviously, the closer you get to free agency, the more time he has to prove the money he deserves and the more money you're gonna have to pay. But uh 
he's you guys got time to figure it out uh i could see him not wanting to be in washington anymore i mean they haven't made obviously you still have to wait a little bit to see where it's gonna go but obviously it doesn't look great right now the team is terrible uh you're playing with a bunch of old washed up old phillies players (laughs) uh I, I was just referencing towards Michael Franco and Cesar Hernandez. But the rest of our team is relatively young, apart yeah. from Nelson Cruz. But forget about him. But uh yeah, I mean, but this is also a season where you could see a lot of assets come your way with Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell. Obviously, they're not gonna try to get rid of Juan Soto. Uh but this is a year where you could get a lot of assets. So you kind of have to just wait and see what's going to happen. I could see this extension waiting a little bit longer because obviously when you go to a pro team, you want to win. Like that's your, that's been your dream since you were a kid. So if he comes to a point where he doesn't think that he can win in Washington anymore, anymore. he can, he's going to want to go out because he did, he won the, he was there when they won in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a bit, he was a big part. I was I was just confirming. I was ninety nine percent sure, but I was just confirming. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you get to a point where you don't think you can win anymore, I can see why he wants out. Uh, something that is big on the Phillies end is Bryce Harper is has gotten thumb surgery and he is out for about six weeks now, which is. Hard to hear. That's bad. Yeah, because he is, I mean, he starts the offense. Not He's not the entire offense because obviously they still have other big pieces, but he is obviously a huge piece and he gets the offense going. I mean, he just his bat alone makes up a ton of runs and he's having an MVP season again, batting upwards of 320 right now. So, I mean, it's... It's a huge loss to see him go. Uh, I'm going to try to – but they they had some someone up yesterday. I need to pull this guy back up. They had some guy up yesterday that I've never heard of in my life, and in his first game he hit two home runs. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm just like, who is this guy, and why hasn't he been on the team longer? Uh where did you come from? Exact, exactly. Uh, oh, are they not going to let me see it? Oh, I could probably do this. But yeah, uh, his name is something Hall. Derek Hall. I have never heard of that guy before, but Came out yesterday, hit two home runs, and could be a could be a big piece for us if he actually continues to produce offense. So, love to see. Yeah, it that. was just one game, but it was one game. But I mean, if you're not at least decent, you don't come out and hit two home runs in your debut with the Phillies. I mean, I mean, not like obviously not just Phillies, but like in general, like you don't come out and just. J.P. Aaron Sebia. 
Who? His debut, he had two homers. I believe. Who is that? I've never heard of that in my life. Exactly. He was a catcher. Yeah, I believe he had um, two homers on his debut with the Blue Jays a while ago. Oh, so he was a young guy that has come up through the Philly system. This season with, uh, with Lehigh Valley, he was – where is his – he was batting 269. He had 20 home runs, 18 doubles, no triples, 47 runs. Where are his RBI numbers? 67 RBIs, and this is in 72 games. Not terrible in Lehigh Valley. Came up, hit two home runs last night. So maybe this is the guy that they're going to use to replace at DH for uh, for Bryce Harper. Which, Lord maybe. knows, they, they need a hot bat to replace Bryce Harper because it's Bryce Harper. And on top of that, they're still in the heat of a insane division right now in, with – the Mets and, leading the division, 47 and 29. Atlanta, 44 and 33. And the Braves heating up. Huh? And the Braves are heating up significantly. Significantly, and I, mean, I think it's going to be hard to be able to like keep up with the Braves and down the stretch. There's still there's still only three games behind the Braves. Uh, they are 40 and 37, 7.5 games back. Which honestly, I still Rob Thompson has put together an amazing, amazing run so far, an amazing campaign. So I'm still not I'm not mad about his performance so far. They go on to play Cardinals for the Cardinals for uh, the Cardinals for three starting tonight, and then they play Washington, and then they go to St. Louis. They have Toronto, Miami. Chicago, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh for the rest of the month. Which, talking about Pittsburgh, can we talk about O'Neill Cruz for a sec? He that dude is insane. The six-seven shortstop. Six, yes, yeah, six-seven, dude. He takes two steps and he's already from first to second. <laughs> and yeah, he threw the ball ninety-six miles an hour across the diamond. Then he had like the hardest hit. Yeah, ball he hit like a, a ball year. like 110 a miles an hour. And it was a single. I mean, he's still young. So his stats, like he's hitting 210, but he's still young. He's showing a lot of potential and he could be a very dangerous player down the stretch for the Pirates. Yeah, this, he is looking good, which it's I heard ludicrous like, to see a six, seven shortstop on the. I, on the I heard afterwards, like, he was sitting there like this, like, yo, why didn't you bring me up sooner, buddy? Like, but I, I think it was like a monetary loophole that the pirates were trying to pull. Kind of like the lightning do with uh with Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, exactly. LTIR. Um, oh, and one thing that gives me hope about Bryce Harper coming back a little bit sooner, and I expect you to have a similar reaction to everyone else I say this to is Nazem Kadri came back in like two weeks from thumb surgery. 
And every time I, I, I would say that to someone, I'm like, yeah, you know, there's a little glimmer of hope that like, you know, maybe this isn't actually six weeks and maybe it's like, I don't expect it to be two weeks, but maybe three or four comes back relatively quickly. Every time I say that to someone, they always respond with, but yeah, hockey players are built different. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, you have a Tristan, point there. Like, Kadri was a lot, they were a lot, they were pretty much in the playoffs. I no, mean, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is like, I'm talking about the fact that, and they were already in the playoffs. He broke his thumb in the uh, against Edmonton. Yeah, that's the I difference. Is like, I mean, Harper, he shouldn't rush back. He shouldn't risk it for a possible division battle. That's going to be very difficult to I'm, win. I'm not six. saying he needs to like risk anything and like rush his way back. But what I'm saying is, like, obviously Kadri was rushing his way back a little bit because he wanted to play in the cup. But everyone also deals with this injury at their own time frame. So what I'm saying is you have someone there who did it pretty quickly. Hopefully this won't take as long as people think it would. I mean, it could go four weeks. It could go eight weeks. Like it's, but what I'm saying is like, there's a little glimmer of hope that makes me think like, maybe it could be on the quicker end. Maybe, but I don't think so. Because if you think about it, is, is it his thumb on his left or his right hand? He bats left. So I think it's his left hand. Okay, so he's still not going to be able to throw the ball. This, I was going to say, this is honestly also a little bit of a blessing in disguise, potentially, being that he's still had that UCL tear in his arm. So, I mean, maybe this is a yeah. blessing in disguise to let that heal a little bit. So, And it'll be very hard for him to bat because it's not like when Trey Turner, he broke his pointer finger, you can stick that out because that's not integral to you holding the bat with your thumbs. It's very integral. You're going to be getting vibrations. Yeah, you can't bat like this. You just can't do that. That's going to change your swing. I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, it's not any sort of... It's not any sort of analysis or anything or any sort of yeah, a, like report. Could, it's just me being hopeful. He could come back early, but I don't think he should. It's it's my fan. It's my fan coming out a little bit. So yeah, and if uh, you think about even at a minimum of two weeks, I still think that the Braves and Mets are going to be hot, and I just don't think it will maybe worth it. Like I mean, the Mets are still like what the number two team in the league right now. Yeah, the only team that is hotter is the Yankees, and they're oh my gosh, like, they are playing on currently playing on, rookie on tape right to make history. Yeah, they're playing on. I mean, right Aaron Judge is playing ridiculous. He's on. He has pace like twenty nine home runs. He's on already. pace for like sixty one. Like I believe it's around Roger Maris's um former or current record, depending on where you stand. But yeah, I mean that's the Yankees are playing out of their minds right now. And that's good because I'm a pseudo Yankees fan because that's my second team. Because back in 2009, the World Series, that yeah, was we don't like need to talk when I first that. got into baseball. So I'm a Yankees and Nats fan. Uh, but with that, I mean, that's really all I have left. That's all I got. Yeah, you, you just seen the offense dribble down a little bit. Actually, one more thing. You know who I have seen a difference with Rob Thompson coming up? Bryson Stott, Bryson Stott was their number one, number two prospect in the system. And Bryson Stott has been playing great since Rob Thompson took over. He has four home runs. 
he was playing like Dookie under Joe Girardi. I mean, he had an awful start to the season, but he's starting to get back his, a little bit. His batting average is still terrible. He he's, he's like only batting two fourteen. No, he's only batting one eighty three. Oh, that's bad. But that's- I mean, it's just the fact like he's hit four home runs. He has four doubles. Like he's twenty one RBIs. He's starting to climb that ladder, which is more what I'm like. That's all I'm, you should really worry about at yeah, this point. I'm, I'm seeing progression. Yeah, exactly. You're seeing progression in his play, which is what you want to see because next season they're not going to re-sign Didi Gregorius. Nope. This is going to be Didi's last season because Bryson and who Scott knows, is the future. Like, and who knows what they're going to do with Alec Bohm because I, I still think that's they're, a They're going to keep him at third. They're going to keep him at third. Yeah. They, but they're still like, hoping for more progression from his bat as well because he's yeah. fallen off from that amazing start he had. Uh, but with that, that is now all I have. Uh, Sorry. all I have yeah. left. Um, is that it for you? That's all I got. All right, so you guys can follow us on Instagram at BL in the DC, and you can DM us questions and comments. You can email us at BL in the DC at gmail.com, or you can send us questions and comments uh, you can rate us on apple and spotify and leave us a review on apple if you want to you can leave a question or something there and we can read it on here uh, that also helps us get out there a little bit more and get a little a couple more listeners just to you know bring in a little bit more uh and check out our friends over at bomb burger and with that we are going to close it out there see you later